Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Glorio Chat, the best anime podcast on the internet. Hard to, hard to believe, but we're already approaching sort of the final stretch here of the spring 2022 season. Yep. The Glorio if, Chat is 70 years old this year. Hurrah! Yes. <laughs> it's our, yes. That's our, our big celebration is coming soon, but that's, yes. we've been building up to that. But, uh, yes. I feel like with all these comedies we've been watching, they've been springing their big drama cards for the final arcs. Uh-huh. A lot of romance going on, which we'll get into uh, on a lot of these shows. And, you know, I'm still having a good time, though. So Yeah, it continues to be a very solid season. Yeah. So, yeah. before we get into the anime talk, let's just uh, introduce everybody. I'm Jell, joined by Iroh. I'm still here. I'm not dead yet. Still with us. Uh, we've got G. What's good, everybody? And we are joined by Zig. I am covered in Union Jacks. Literally every part of my body is covered in Union Jacks. <laughs> it's the law now. Is 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 this Jubilee thing over this now? Yet? It's over or... now, yes. Okay, sure. You know. Was it like today or something? We're recording yes. on Sunday. but We yeah. can go back to admitting the Queen is dead again. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was a very impressive hologram they had of her during all of this. I mean, you uh, joke, but there actually looking. was a hologram of the Queen involved in the parade thingy they did today, so, you know. Oh, I, I haven't caught that. Just map that, that onto yet. the like dance choreography of the Miku hologram. Hell yeah. yes. We need the, we can... need a, somebody do a Miku Miku dance model of the queen. You know, the yeah, we, we need we need it's the queen, we need the queen Miku and Domino's uh, Pizza. Yeah, we need the queen Miku and Tupac. Uh, yes, I was about to <laughs> do it. I was trying to build up to it. Yes, All on stage. Yeah, me and G, me the... and G are on the same page on that one. Yes, uh... get the three together at Coachella. At Coachella is presenting. I will, Tupac, I will finally Hatsune Miku and the Queen of England. I'll finally attend a large public event for the first time in two, two years to see that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we do have a lot of things to talk about. Uh, all of our shows sure to catch do. up on. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the anime, as has been our tradition this season, uh, we'll, we'll take a little slight detour and catch up on uh, Common Rider Revice. Is that how you yep. say it? It's Revice. been, it's been yep. a long time. Yep. So we talked about this, and since we have Zig, why don't you guys tell me how that's My been goodness, going? Huh? How has it been going, Zig? I mean, you know too. I know, it's... I do, but you're you're here. Yes, it is my job to deliver. We now have two people that have watched this on the podcast. God, so. it's really bad. Um, it's, it's just kind of an enormous mess. Like, they are trying to run about half a dozen simultaneous plot lines and they're all bad but none of them can fully blossom into being bad in the main plot sense because they just keep juggling plot lines and it's ooh, it, it's, oh that always works out yeah absolutely you know they are i mean the thing is like the thing we always say you know this is like the staple line of all the first look posts as well mm-hmm. is that these shows are incredibly busy by nature because they are designed for like six to eight year olds and all that stuff but man like they have just meandered all over the place in this one it's super obvious that they 
didn't really have an idea of where they were going to end up when they started, and the the net result is just it it it's kind of just a massive swirling kind of stew of plot points that would potentially be interesting in isolation, but are just kind of bad in in actual fact. You are know, there any, and are there any specific ones that stand out as particularly egregious? I mean, yes, but I mean let's let's list a couple. I mean like at the moment a lot of the drama is revolving around a character who we are calling Hot Science Lady because we don't know her real name oh, okay. and can't be bothered to okay. look it up. Uh, she okay. has been basically a non factor in the plot up to this point, but now she's been captured by the evil like head of the definitely not a paramilitary organization. Um and suddenly she is the most important person in the entire world and several characters have like stunning deep emotional bonds to her and <laughs> all this uh-huh. stuff. You know, like it it is very like you know last minute swerve on the right. on the spot storytelling. It's, it's like this character showed up from nowhere, I'm gonna say halfway through the show, for was a background character at best for about ten episodes. And then once she gets captured and turned to a monster, everyone is like desperate to save her. How right, like her making sure she stays alive is like this character's entire motivation. It's like you didn't even interact with her and she wasn't an important character. Right. This whole time. Yeah, <sighs> and and like the main bad guy's like plot is so nebulous that like in the space of like three episodes he's his aim has completely changed. Like at first his aim was he was going to he was like running a false flag operation to make um like he he's the head of the evil paramil pa- evil definitely not a paramilitary organization. And like so his plan was he was running a false flag to show that the monsters were so powerful that humanity had no choice but to submit to them. But now, suddenly, for no reason, he's just like, eh, the monsters should kill everyone, just because, you know, that that's what they do in Kamen Rider. And, yeah, just, like, there's no real sense of, like, what the aim is, unless it's just kill everyone, which isn't a particularly interesting aim, quite frankly. And there's just sort of no direction for the story, you know, aside from things are getting worse and, you know, our heroes are kind of useless and can't really do much about it. Which, granted, that's a direction, but you need a certain level of dramatic chops to be able to pull that off, and this show doesn't have those. Yeah. Yeah. We'll say the the actor for the bad guy, director Akaishi, is a hoot, however, he he is hilarious he is the only one who realizes what a schlock fest he is in and he's just camping it up <laughs> to the max it's terrific okay yes that's you know he's doing the proper like gurning roll, rolling eyes you know like <clears throat> hilariously evil um stuff I, you know i feel like that's the bare minimum i would want though from a right show. <laughs> so, and i i mean like the only reason it works is because like he is the only person who appears to be a having fun or b even really trying to be honest mm-hmm. that, right. that's a bit unfair you know like obviously you cannot have every character camp it up like that but you know he he is he's so much more entertaining than the good guys that it kind of tilts the balance completely out of whack 
you know mm, uh, yeah. and it helps that because obviously he is an older gentleman he actually appears to be able to act unlike half the cast really is this is this like a situation where the main cast is just like the prettiest people or most uh-huh. famous people? I mean, they that's fine. Always, the yeah. Way and they're works. not. They, right. and they, they, it's always that they, way. Just occasionally, you get one who can you actually act pretty well. Actually, yeah, yeah. And, and honestly, like Tully has been pretty lucky over the years with casting like ex models who can actually act occasionally. Like they've had a pretty good hit rate. And I don't think the guy who plays Icky, the main rider in this show, is that bad. Actually, he's fine. Like, um, the writing is not good, but that's not his fault, obviously. But a lot mm-hmm. of the supporting cast are either bad, annoying, or both. And that's um, that's kind of tough to get over, really. Sounds yeah, great. Indeed. Uh, how how So this has been going for a while, right? How deep are we, are we into We're, it now? What, episode Thirty-six was it? I don't know. Uh, the episode that came out the weekend of this recording is episode thirty-eight. Ah, okay, yeah. So, so we're got, probably like, about three months left. left or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, we're looking about fifty episodes is the standard run, perhaps slightly below that. So mm-hmm. we're definitely entering like the last stretch. Um, but I don't know. Like, they would have to. There's quite a lot of runtime left, but they would have to work a minor miracle to turn it around at this point. You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. not ideal. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm sure well, the next Kamen Rider will be better. Right, what was that thing called? Geats. Um, yes, Kamen Rider Geats. Yes. What is oh, they've the already theme? announced No, but that. It, it leaked out the same way that it does every oh, year, which is sure. people keep an eye on the trademark registrations. And okay. So no official reveal then yet. Yeah. We don't know what like the hook is or anything on yeah. it yet. Right? No, not at all. Though the rumor is it's going to be like ninja themed. But... Oh okay. wow! Yeah, it's about that's... that time again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there has, there's actually never been a ninja themed common rider before. Wait, really? So there have been ninja themed side common riders. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because oh, I'm sure Super to... Super Sentai has had ninja. Yeah. Before. yeah there's oh, been multiple yeah. ninja themes. Yeah, I was about yeah. to say like spin spin the little like uh, uh, <laughs> dinosaur ninja. Yeah. Spin means, the little is it, is it, is it cars? Yeah. Cars or dinosaurs yeah. for like, Super Sentai? Police, yeah. ninja, dinosaur, uh, cars, cars, trucks, space, like wild animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know all of that shit. But yeah, like uh, that's just a rumor. You know, I have no idea where it came from. It's just something I've seen floating around. But um, yeah, I mean, like right. I'm not going to get into it too much. But I think that the problems with Carmen Rider might be structural at this point and so yeah i don't necessarily have a huge amount of hope and again you know it's important to emphasize these shows are not written for us you know they are written for preteen japanese children but... yeah but even yeah. kids can sniff right. out like bad media like yeah. kids aren't right. stupid mm-hmm. yeah. yeah you know and i don't know I, th- I i think the problems may be more than just oh this was a you know they this was a bad one. I think perhaps the problems run a little deeper than that, but we'll see. I guess yeah. too late now. Will uh, will will Anno save us with Shin Kamen Rider? <laughs> that yeah. Mm. I hope it's I hope it's good at least. I don't know. How many shots of train track train <laughs> train tracks are we going to get in Shin Kamen Rider? Yeah, I will I'm say sure that several. like the first trailer of that thing being a shot-for-shot remake of the opening of original Kamen Rider, while cool, 
is perhaps not what I was hoping for. I mean, so. does it for better or worse speak to exactly the type of like fan of those franchises that Anno is and like what he is going to try to make in right. his movies? I mean, like I have not obviously none of us have seen Shin Ultraman yet, but the word I've heard coming out about it is that it's kind of faithful to a fault. So that would be mm. a very Anno approach, yeah. I suppose. Well, we'll have regard. to see. Yeah. You know, exciting uh, things in the future for the franchise, at least. Um, yeah. Did we? Did we want to talk about Ghost Game also? Oh yeah, sure, go for it. Because that also would probably go in this. The, the I mean, here. under the Toei Power Hour. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the Toei Hopper. Uh-huh, yeah, superhero time. Yeah, go for it. Either. Yeah, I mean, you, you've we've also you've also been watching Ghost Game uh, with me and Digimon Ghost Game, the new Digimon series, and uh. We're like what halfway through at this point. Yeah, a little over, I think. And uh, I think it's been pretty good lately. I think especially yeah, the past it's... few episodes have been particularly good. I, I, I mean... would say it has been bumped up from like perfectly fine to actually pretty good thing that I enjoy watching. You know, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, wasn't there like uh, wasn't there one particular episode or something you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago when we didn't have time to talk about it? <laughs> Was that the one where they shoot the satellite out of orbit? It might have been the plant one. Oh, I thought you guys were to talk about how these Digimon kill. <laughs> I mean, They've been killing people for quite a while. Been, yeah, like, quite the body count has been fairly high in recent episodes, and, and that's been enjoyable because it's been kind of fucked up. Um, but yeah, you know, they're still committed to, like, the creepy ghost-like specter uh, gimmick, you know, and they're, they're doing it pretty well. You know, I mean, there appear to be the vaguest inklings of a plot, but right. it's mostly still just episodic. <laughs> that like... is sort of, like, probably the main issue of the show, is that, like, it's, we're, like, 26 episodes in or something, and it's still Monster of the Week stuff, which is fine to an extent. I think the theming is solid still, and I'm enjoying it, but it's, like... Of course, I, I should not necessarily compare it to the original Digimon. No, uh, you you should absolutely compare it to that. All right. Know. Well, yes, original Digimon, while also very Monster of the Week, had like kept its Monster of the Week with a overarching plot through line most of the time. I would say. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, the show I doesn't think, really do that. I think the Monster of the Week stuff has been particularly strong lately because they have been getting increasingly weird and freaky and kind yeah, of yeah. dark, which you know is is enjoyably silly. Um, I, I would like to see a little bit more plot soon, but but it's enjoyable. You know, it is mm-hmm. the best that Digimon has been in maybe f- 20 <laughs> several, several years? years? I mean, it's uh, not a great track record since the original, right? I mean, I mean like, the, the secret is, like, most long-running franchises is there's actually far more bad stuff than good yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, Jill, I was going to say, Digimon, like, but... the welcome to being a fan of anything that has existed for more oh, than, see. like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't watch those kids shows. Whoa. That, you, know, you know, I mean, I can uh... tell you as a Gundam fan, <laughs> you could make the argument it has been over 20 years since... I mean, the last genuinely good. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about. Of course. Fires. Yes, of course. Well, <laughs> that mean, was it, like it... eight years ago or something. <laughs> now, right? like... Almost ten. Uh, um, yeah. oh, it, it depends whether you would foot put G Reco in the category of good heavy inverted. I would. All right, fine. How about this? It's been. It, you could argue it's been twenty years since the last good UC Gundam. <laughs> 
All right. Anyway, well, the point is we that, can't like, make this about Gundam. Yeah. But, uh, no, yeah. I'm just saying that all. My, my point is all long. If you are a fan of a long running franchise, whether it's Digimon or Gundam or Fate, all right. You are a fan with the knowledge that hey. There are going to be some real long droughts in this fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have I have Macross for my personal one. Yes, so, there you sure. go. Oh, I mean, oh, you yeah. have you have the additional thrill of legal battles there. Yeah. As well. <laughs> yes, um, but well, yeah, you know, it, it's been fun. Cool stuff has happened. You know, weird, fucked up stuff has been happening. You know, a giant egg ate a bunch of people and turned them into sand, and that was kind of creepy. Yeah, that's. I mean, um, it's it's cool. Know. when these types of shows do have the room and the leeway too. Yeah. You know, I do I, stuff like this. You know, a giant dinosaur with guns for feet used his railgun to shoot a satellite out of orbit, and that was all right too. You know, like they're they're doing fun stuff with the format, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Yeah. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. All right, well, we can't talk about Gundam, but we can talk about. Yeah, we can. <laughs> don't worry, Euro. We can talk about the next best thing. Yeah, let's let's move into <laughs> we have, our uh... Euro. We have Gundam at home. <laughs> that the, the, we have Gundam at home. Dollar store Gundam. Uh, let's move into our geopolitical power hour here. Yep, it's geopolitics I, I wrote, time. I mean, what's what's El is Elgheim in this situation? Pulls in, orders a single black coffee, and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Iro, uh, we were yeah. saying how Common Rider v Rice is bad. As the only person who's watched both that and Kyokai Senki, which one is worse? You do this to me. Ugh. Yeah, you're the only one. You're the only one to watch both. They're in different weight classes, right? Like different okay. weight classes. I mean, I I think again, I have not watched Kyokai Senki. Obviously, Kyokai but... Senki is in the heavyweight class of being yeah, bad. I, I feel like there is nothing in Common Rider that is like actively harmful or offensive. So whereas... I, I I actually have a thesis on this that I have thought about for my many years as a Mecha fan, and okay. it is that there is no anime quite as bad as a bad mecha anime and the reason for this and the reason why bad mecha anime can go on to become like generational like generational pillars of bad anime is because at <laughs> least within the scope of modern mecha anime mecha is an inherently political genre like it is inherently about like warfare usually between nation states or organizations and thus you don't just get the usual bad writing that comes from, like, anime being poorly written and characters being flat, like, archetypes. But then you also get the bad writing from the perspective of, oh god, this is what the writer thinks is compelling, like, you know, geopolitical tension. Or this is what they... <laughs> or you, you have the more horrifying realization of, oh... This is what this writer has to say about a highly specific, like, <laughs> real-world political topic. Right. It, it is bad, but also bad in a way that thinks it is important and has yes. something meaningful to say. Like, right. yeah. And that is what Kyokai Senki continues yeah. to be, is bad because, like, it, it is bad now because there are things about these latest episodes that... I wish we're in a better anime than Kyokai Senki, with characters that were more likable than Kyokai right. Senki's. Uh, basically, the plotline of the last two episodes is that, um, as we kind of talked about last time, the North American Coalition, so the you know the United States analog in this show, is mm-hmm. uh, 
real is 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 really upsetting the balance of the sort of four way like war that was happening yes. on Japanese soil because they got their whole hands on the ghost AI. Yes, yeah, super AI essentially, and so the. They have their official names, but I can't remember them. So basically, the Chinese, the Australians, and the Russians basically agree to form a cooperative pact against the Americans. And to do so, Mm. what they actually decide to do is sponsor the creation of a new independent Japanese territory Mm -hmm. that is uh, basically just Neo-Japan. And um, with their backing... There's plenty of analogs for this in real-life history, I will point out. Yes, yes, and that is what almost makes this interesting, right? Is that they form this coalition specifically because they are afraid of being... They know that on their own, they will each individually be destroyed and subsumed by Mm -hmm. the Americans. But also, the creation of an independent Japanese territory that is, on paper, legally independent, also means that they are now a buffer state between the three other nations and American, like, aggression. And... There's something almost sort of interesting here of this idea of, like, we'll finally give, you know, you, the Japanese, what you want. But also, if you're independent, that means that if you get invaded by the Americans, that's now your problem. That's no longer our problem. Right. And it could almost work. It could almost work as, like, an interesting plot point in, like, something that wasn't written like total dog shit. But unfortunately, <laughs> right. Kyokai Senki is written like total dog shit, so it's not that interesting, and it sort of falls apart immediately because the most blatant false flag operation happens the next day during the, like, signing of, like, the the treaties and the peace <laughs> right. talks, right? Like, uh, an American politician is shot at the American embassy, and the Americans are like, well, it's clear that you guys don't know how to play nice. I guess that gives us the right to declare war on the rest of the planet. And it's like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. Again, I, I think I said while we're watching, like, if all this stuff had happened in, like, episode six or something, I would yeah. probably be a lot more forgiving to an extent. Because... Instead of this happening in, like, episode 22. Yeah. Except also... Uh... It happening episode 22 made me give me the sinking pit in my stomach of oh they're gonna make more of this show. we are not done with kyokai senki <laughs> oh, yet because oh, that no, is the, thing... the worst possible outcome <laughs> yes yes this is the realization Iro and i came to as we approach the end of the second season of kyokai senki is oh this plot isn't nowhere is is, is nowhere close to being finished like, the Americans are on the rise, the heroes are on the back foot. Like, there is no indication that the heroes will be able to end this conflict in the next four episodes. Like, in fact, the conflict is igniting. It is going increasingly global in these in these latest episodes. Which tells me, oh, oh, we're probably getting a second batch of 26 of Kyokai Senki, aren't we? So what you're saying is it's still doing a fairly possible impression of Code Geass, then? <laughs> Oh man! Is that an insult I, to that, Code Geass? That's oh, kind of ha- what happens at the end of season one of Code Geass. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the comparisons become increasingly. Man, it 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 took a show like Kyokai Senki for me to go, man. You know, Code Geass was actually maybe all right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I mean, if you take it about as seriously as it deserves, I like Code Geass a lot, you know, <laughs> but um, it sounds like that Kyokai Senki always had slightly higher 
ambitions than that, and that it consistently fails to meet them. Yeah, I. It's like like this it, is a show demanding to be taken seriously, right? There's no yes, Pizza Hut but episode. also it is a, it is it is a parentally confused show because it is also the show with like the goofy AI sidekicks. You know, right, we literally right. talked about like last podcast about their like weird birthday party subplot or whatever. Oh right? yeah, like, the one that almost sounded good. <laughs> would have been right. good in a show where we liked the characters, yes, and right. like. Yeah, it's just I I don't know the tone of the show really is all over the place, right? Right, and not like, in because, a fun way. Uh, yeah, and not yeah. yeah, not even that sort of fun deranged way. It's it's just I I don't I mean it, honestly it, it kind of just feels amateurish is is what it feels like. It just mm-hmm. feels like whoever is like handling the script right here just like I think I think they just legitimately don't know what they want to do with the show, and that is reading in the text itself. Yeah. Well. I guess I'll look forward to hearing your guys' thoughts on this years th- in the years to come. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. We're not. I mean, Hero. If we watch twenty six episodes of Kyokai Senki, how could we stop here? I, I can't wait to. So you're talking about uh, Kyokai Senki in the next Super Robot Wars. Yeah. Uh, oh man, yeah. Kyokai Senki might actually be in the next Super Robot Wars game. Oh hey, shit. man, they'll take anyone. They're not you, taking. As yeah. long as you can kick their ass with like Grand Bell. <sighs> Yeah, man, that would be too. Well, that would be that would, that. would that be the monkey's paw? Is the next Super Robot <laughs> Wars Grand Bell, but you also you get Grand Bell, but you also get Kyokai Senki. <laughs> I mean, that kind of already happened with this Super Robot Wars, where like we got um, we got Gridman, but we also got that like Mecha Isekai show. Oh, uh, well, like, was it like Knights and Magic or something? Knights and Magic, yeah. So. All right, the one that has the weird grammar on knights. Yes, it's uh, the only thing I remember about that show. Um. All right. Well, if there's nothing more to say about that for now, mm. I guess we can move on to the second half of the geo- geopolitical power hour. Yes, and we can uh... catch up on uh, where we're at with Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, yep, we're still we're... in the battle between the fortresses. Yep, all right, but but we got we got to see some fascists get chopped up like meat. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we got to see the Rosen Ritter in action. Ah, finally. Uh, you know, it's they're sick it's, power suits. They're sick power suits. They're just chopping up these fascists, man. It's it's great. Like they are just getting murdered by the dozen. It's, it's been so long. Like we it's, haven't it's seen them so, at all yet in D and T. Right, because we've never seen the Rosen Ritter in action in D and T until now. So they, you know, I I joked and then it happened of like because D and T is like the weird flashier version of Legend of the Galactic Heroes in some regards with the higher budget. I was like, Shenkov's gonna like do a flip midair and then like cut somebody. <laughs> and then he totally does like a midair flip in his power armor. It's great. Uh he's like it's great because like he he has the axe like they do in the original OVA, but he's like dual wielding. Like he's got an axe in one hand and like a dagger in the other. He's got his big combat knife or whatever. Right, like a big old honking like combat knife. It's uh Maximum Very killing good. efficiency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, we also get to see Murkats kind of come into play because, uh, you know, just like in the original OVA, right, they sort of let, you know, or they mm-hmm. uh, they allow the uh, the 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 armored grenadiers, the, the Empire boarding crew to retreat, right? And because Mueller is a, is a nice, good fascist admiral, <laughs> uh, he... Actually wants to safely recover his retreating men, so he sends you know recovery fleets to pick them up. But this is exactly what the FPA fleet and especially Murkats 
is hinging on, right? Because the kind of the great thing with sending Murkatz out is that because Murkatz was an Imperial defector, he knows right. these admirals and their mentality better than, like, anybody else. He knows Mueller right. will try to save his retreating men, mm. and he specifically exploits that when he fires upon the rescue transports who have to stop to try to recover the the, the, the retreating uh, soldiers. And uh, just, you know, yep. hilariously obliterates Mueller's fleet. You know, yep. it's great. <laughs> uh... Um. And, uh, you know, the second of the two episodes is um, Yang getting back, right? Yes. Uh, with his, like, tiny ragtag fleet that is all the FPA Cobbled was together. going to give him. Yeah. You know, you know we, we get the great moment where, uh, because the, Imper- the, the Imperial forces uh, killed all long-term communications at Isolon Fortress, right. Yang is unable to actually get in contact with the uh, the forces stationed on, on the fortress, right? Mm-hmm. And so you get that great moment, right, where, like, Yang and Julian experience that weird synchronicity that the two share. You know, Julian being Yang's protege, like, He's is like, able if, to... Right, if, well, if there is a fleet coming, then this is what the Empire will probably do, which means this yeah. is what we should do. Yes. And then totally separately, we get to have Yang be like, well... If they're coming after us, the best way to deal with that would be if the fleet at Ezerlone does this maneuver, but we have no way of contacting them. But it's just, right. but they and had the same idea, so... Exactly, and it kind of speaks to, like... And, and, and the episode actually forms really good contrast, right? Because on the other side, we get Kempf, right? The Imperial mm-hmm. Admiral who's been assigned to taking Ezerlone, right? And Kempf sends a very curt, nondescript message to Reinhardt about updating his, you know, about give, sending him an update on their progress right. with, the, with the battle, it's like right? like, you have, you, you have the ability to contact for reinforcements, but... And, and you choose not you to. You pridefully say, we've got it under control. Yes. And it kind of speaks to this idea of, like, the thing that Yang proves with his more, like, you know, egalitarian, you know, like, commanding style is that he is able to amass people who he understands and trusts in who think right. similarly to how he does, and he can trust them to get the job done, mm-hmm. whereas Reinhardt becomes increasingly isolated from his admirals, right? They don't under... Without a Kirky eyes there, he no longer has anybody in his cabinet who, like, fully understands his intents and plans and feelings about a given moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start to see the cracks in their commanding style begin to show. And, uh... He's yeah, it's... manage everything himself. Yes. <laughs> is um it, it has the, the are we still basically in the 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 Geisberg, uh, yeah. arc here? Yes, they haven't the, uh, had the, the final uh, It's been multiple episodes. Yes, the the end of the latest episode we have watched is Kemp finally arriving at the conclusion that both Yang and Reinhardt independently arrive at, which is that if you are in a situation in which you outstrip your opponent's manpower, leadership, resources, and technology, then simply eating the expense of crashing your insanely expensive <laughs> space fortress into your enemy's insanely expensive space fortress is in some ways actually the most sensible course of action. Yes. Like, if you can afford to eat the loss and your enemy can't, there it is. Right. Then that is actually your easiest solution. And Kemp's greatest failing, being a more old school Imperial Admiral, is that he could not ever in a million years visualize the idea of purposely destroying what is essentially a gift to him from his god emperor. 
Like it is not right. a it, it is not a concept he could ever entertain until it is too late. Right until he's pushed to d- the edge of desperation. Yeah. So I have a I have a question regarding like the the grander scale here, which is we're quite a long way into Di Noetesa now. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's what has it brought to the table? You know, what do you think that this brings above and beyond the original show? Because my understanding is it's a fairly faithful reinterpretation, basically. It's so like a mostly like visual pomp and circumstance budget right. yeah. what it brings is budget okay yeah so i'm just interested yeah. you know because I, i'm not saying yeah. that like making it look nicer is not a not a completely valid and admirable goal you know i'm just interested if there's more than that so far. no I, I i do understand your question zig because in fact there are a, there are a lot of diehard fans of legend of the galactic heroes who would who, who generally turn their nose up at at um at DNT, they they actually you know there are fans who see DNT as a needless expenditure, as a needless remake of what they consider an already perfect work. And right, and obviously that's not necessarily the angle I'm coming at from it. No, but, no, but uh, but it know, is it is there is a genuine interest in you know why remake. I I think for I think on some level it is even. I, I think it can be as simple as just budget and production value. Like DNT looks very good. It's a very well made show. Um I, I I don't know if it is necessarily more accessible than the OVA, but I can definitely see and understand for maybe certain a certain type of audience DNT is just simply more appealing. Like I think every right. look, we're all <laughs> Look, we're all kind of we're, we're all kind of boomers as far as anime fans go, right? Like, sure, we, absolutely. We, we have a soft spot for things that look old and analog and and hand handcrafted. Mm-hmm. You know, we we all love the original OVA's way of depicting space battles as just these like stationary lines dotting across the landscape. But right. you know, there are people out there who don't want to watch the original Gundam because it looks too old. And I don't I don't need I don't want to fault them for that. You know, that's that is a taste thing, right? right. Like mm-hmm, they're just yeah. I think we have to understand that there are definitely people out there, especially anime fans who are, you know, probably younger and you know, maybe just don't have an appreciation for that sort so, of older way of presentation. So what I what I'm getting from this is basically the what you think the function of this remake is is simply to put that story out in the world again to a certain yes, I think in, so. in a form more palatable mm-hmm. to yeah. current generation fans. And, which... and and because it's mostly been faithful, I think that like I'm totally fine with the DNT existing. Like I yeah, think absolutely. you know right. if if DNT had done what I think we all all had initially feared, which is like it would have like rewritten the subtext of the story or like swung its bias towards one faction or another in a way that felt un- unnatural. I I think I would have much greater complaints about DNT, but because DNT is so far a mostly faithful adaptation of that story, I think it's I think it's totally fine existing as a as an alternate interpretation of the of that story. And sure. yeah. yeah, no, that seems um, even if I honest. personally I think you know will probably still prefer the OVA at the end of the day. You know, I mm-hmm. I miss I miss the classical music. I will say I miss having classical <laughs> music in DNT. So I don't uh, want to dwell too much longer on this, but just a quick follow up then. Do you want them to deviate? Um, hmm. I would I say am, no. Uh, I I would be interested in seeing 
I don't want the where text they would, to necessarily like, change. Right. But I would be. I'll put it this way: I wouldn't want the text to change, but I would be interested in seeing how they interpret its like to to, to do this analogy, how they interpret its sentence structure and grammar, right. I guess, mm-hmm. or maybe yeah, even its vocabulary. I was going to say, when you say you don't want the text change, you mean you don't want it thematically to change. You do not literally mean you do not want the text to change. Yes, yes, right? yes. Yeah. You are correct. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just interested, you know, yeah. because obviously I think the thing with any remake or reimagining or re-release, you know, is how much do you adapt and right. change the story to the times mm-hmm. that you find yourself in, and that can go very well or it can go very yeah. badly, and but it's it's a distinct creative choice to change something. Right, right. And, and they have changed some, like, details on how some scenes play out and things. Yes, like, it has been, yes. like, 100% I mean, yes. the same. You know, the the classic example that everybody likes to use, of course, is, like, the OVA... This is where the OVA deviates, where DNT does not, right? Is, um... Reinhardt's decision to, uh, launch the nukes at, uh... Um, right, that's right. Uh, was it? West, Wester- Wester- Westerland? Westerland, yeah. Westerland. Is that in the OVA... Uh, it's framed as more Oberstein tricks Reinhardt into launching the nukes, right. whereas in D&T, it's actually closer to the novel, where Reinhardt makes the conscientious decision to nuke the planet. And mm-hmm. in that regard, it, it, you know, I can actually really appreciate D&T deciding to be more faithful about certain things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think, I think oh, again, while I think we all in our hearts prefer the OVA, I think, the DN, I, I think D&T brings enough to the table to... To stand as its own valid interpretation of of the work. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just say real quick as someone who has been critical of DNT, and I actually stopped watching it after a certain point because I felt like it was it was fine, but I actually didn't feel like it was delivering enough for me to want to rewatch it right after I, think I just fair. rewatched mm-hmm. the OVA. I do think you know we talk about the the higher production values and stuff. I do appreciate they capture. Like one of the one of the good one of the great things about this series is like the scale of it, right? And like mm-hmm. yes. the size of the battles. There's millions of of people and thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of ships fighting each other. You definitely get a better like feel for like the scale of space. Yeah, and like, like how like this is like on a completely different yeah. level of you know uh, combat as we know it on Earth, right? Like right. they, they I, I appreciate I'm... the. They, they really get you pumped up in the fights in a different <laughs> yes. type and, of way. And that's just an example of, like, pure technology yeah, triumph. Right. Because obviously, you know, in the old days, there was only so much time and so much effort you could devote to drawing a hundred ships yeah. or so. Whereas so I, now, I, I, did find it, I did find it cool, like, seeing that kind of thing, that kind of extra level added to the, you know, this the story that I already very much liked. And the fact that they're pretty much sticking to the main themes and everything without changing anything. Uh, just, just for me... I just didn't think it was different enough where I wanted to spend right. my time watching it again. Right. Maybe maybe in a few years after I've... Because <laughs> I literally just watched... Well, I guess you guys did too. We kind of watched it at the same time. But, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we just watched the OVA, so... And hey, literally yesterday, apparently they released a, a teaser video for Season 4 of DNT, so... <laughs> yeah, we're still going! Sure. Uh-huh. Keeping it trucking, yeah. Uh. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's keep moving then. Let's talk about Dance Dance Dancer, which uh, starting to piss me off a little bit. I've, I've been giving the Uh-oh. show a lot of slack. Uh, you know, we've talked about how I hate the main guy, but it's okay <laughs> yes. because, they, you know, he has consequences for his actions. And I feel like they've been easing off on the consequences over the, hmm. the, the past uh, couple of incidents. 
as he continues to uh, ruin a lot of people's lives. Um, so this arc that's been going on has been the main characters going to this fancy uh, ballet summer school. And they kind of use this setup to start poking at the like uh, the romantic relationships between the three main characters. So you've got like the uh, the main dude Junpei, who's been nursing his crush on the main girl, and then you got the other main guy, main guy number two, who's like actually in love with the main girl. Um, and then we don't know what the main girl's deal is because she never gets any screen time. So that's what that's where we've been up to now, right? So, so to shake. Oh no! Ahead, I was Zay. just gonna say, like, this already sounds like these two male characters are pining for this female character who's more of an object or an ideal than an actual person, which is generally not a great place to start. There, from the main guy, yes, because he basically just has a crush on her because she's pretty and right. talk to him. But, but also, I mean, from the perspective of the audience, right? Like, yeah, c- yeah, kind of. It's it's kind so, of. Yeah, she is kind of not relevant yet. But th- so, to their credit, they take this in a direction that I was perhaps not expecting. But uh, it still makes me hate the main guy a whole lot. <laughs> so, um, to shake things up, they do a couple things. One, they introduce another girl. Classic and maneuver. This girl is like way has way better chemistry with the main guy. She's also very stubborn and passionate. And they hit it off right away because they both have, you know, the same ideals of how they want to do ballet and all that, right? And he he gets, like, instantly, like, obsessed with her. And her, I think us as an audience, we're supposed to recognize, <laughs> oh, he actually is hitting it off with her. And it's not like the other girl where he's just, ooh, pretty girl and I'm a 14-year-old boy, right? right? He, he's flightiness is deliberate in this case. Right. So, so he becomes, like, obsessed with her to the point where he's, like... God, he's such a creep. I hate this guy. He he starts taking pictures of her while she's dancing without her consent, and she's like, <laughs> cool. telling him telling him to delete the pictures, and he doesn't. And they show him like later looking at the pictures when he's at home, and I'm like, oh my god, I hate this guy oh, so much. Oh, kid, you gotta. <laughs> and um, so but but and he's like, oh, you know, he's blowing off his friends so he can go watch her practice and all that, like instantly because he's very, like I said, he's very. I've said before, he's very selfish and impulsive and has no self-control and just, like, barrels through with, you know, whatever, whether it's his, you know, thinking with his dick or thinking with, you know, his love of ballet, one of those two things. That's okay, all he knows. Okay, so he's a teenage boy. Got it. Yeah. So, in, to some extent, like, I appreciate that portrayal, but I feel like they are not giving him the consequences necessary. So, right. we'll get to that part in a minute. So, that's all happening, and so... At this summer school, it's very competitive. Everyone's trying to get into the SS level class. That's literally called the SS level class. <laughs> uh, double one S, person yeah. from the one one person from this uh, class can get into the uh, you know the, the highest uh, level here. They're they're going to get in, so it's very competitive. And so one of the other guys sees all this drama going on, and he decides to shake things up and orchestrates this situation to where. The main dude and the main girl end up in a room together, and they both think that the other person is going to confess to the other person. And, you know, Junpei, Junpei just gets caught up in the moment, doesn't think about it, and drops the ski desk on her and <laughs> awkwardly tries to kiss her before she says anything because he's a creep. 
Uh, <sighs> and and she's like, at, at first she's like, you gross, but then finally she's like, I like you too, but you gotta listen to me next time. And they they start kissing and hook up or something, whatever. And, you know, this, of course, devastates the other guy who's, like, actually in love with her and not just, like, you know, right. going with the flow or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that happens. And then later, for, like, no actual reason other than to move the plot along, the the, the stern head lady of the school is like, I'm going to pick you, Junpei, to even though I've told you you suck, you're going to get the scholarship. Um, which I I still don't understand why. I, again, I think it's just plot reasons. <laughs> and um, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I'll take it. I wasn't really trying to get it or whatever. And the, the guy that was kind of trying to shake everything up is like, gets mad and calls him out and yells at him. It's like, you know, I've been working for this my whole life. And you just waltz in here, and you're like, "Whoa, whatever." And you know, you didn't even care about your friend who you totally screwed over. Like you knew you were, he was in love with her, and and like I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, call him out, right?" And he's just like, his response is just like, "Oh, but I really want those things. So what's wrong with that?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> it's like and there's no like so selfish or like yeah. And there's no like um. There's really not much pushback against that. Like he just goes on doing whatever, and like they they kind of work in like the, the when when they offer the scholarship, there's like you're gonna have to quit the other school, which is run by like the, the main girl's hot mom. Okay, and he's like, okay. oh, that's the condition. Well, I'll just go to both schools. Like he doesn't even listen like to what people are saying, and like, no, you can't go to both schools. Yeah, that's so, uh... at least at least they crack down on that. And then I do think. And this has not happened in these episodes, but I think what they're going to aim for is, and this might end up being worse, is he's going to realize that he doesn't actually like this girl, and he's going to break her heart and ruin her life as well. And we're supposed to be somewhat sympathetic because he's going to feel bad about it, but then he'll have no real consequences. I think that's where they're going. And yeah, they're still... They're starting to lose me on it. I'm, like, I'm kind of torn he... because, like, sorry, do you mind if I just... Uh... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of torn because, yes, that's shitty and objectively it's bad character writing, but also that kind of stuff does happen all the time. Oh, absolutely. You know? like, and, and I guess I... It, it depends on how you how you go about framing that to say whether that's, like, whether you yeah. write that as, like, a genuine expression of how like shitty and like uncommitted teenage yeah. teenagers are or like yeah. if it just seems like shitty protagonist centered morality i i'm fine with it if there's like a purpose for it and i don't feel like there's a purpose for it right now like in the past like i talked about previously he he when he decided to freestyle and not die at the end of swan lake which is ridiculous when you say it but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, there, there's a problem there <laughs> Yeah, he he decided to not die at the end of Swan Lake and and start freestyling it, and it ruined the entire school because all the moms pulled their kids out because their kids didn't get to dance because he decided to just do whatever at the end, and it felt like, and and like it felt like there was an appropriate like response to that where he was actually trying to make things right after that and everything, and and like, okay, yeah, he made a dumb mistake and he did something really stupid and I hate him, but, you know, <laughs> there was still, like, pro- some kind of character progress yeah. or consequence or, or message there or something. 
and now he's just doing whatever he wants with you know ruining people's other people's lives with like no harm to him instead he gets you know promoted to the 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 special class or whatever and i don't know you know there might be more consequences coming because the the episode kind of ends like right there uh, and like i said i think he's gonna probably have pro- some girl problems in the tro- in the future here but uh i don't know these particular two episodes made me angry um anyway okay let's uh, well, I'm not going to get any... I don't know if I'm going to get any less angry on that. Show, <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like you've well, said... Um, yeah. you, this you, is the you, angry you, segment. You you mentioned some pretty some pretty like damning things about, about Dance, Dance, Dance-Sewer, and... Look, so, Tiger Buddy 2 ain't great at the moment, but it's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> it's well, just nowhere near as good as the first half. Let, let's... Let's, um... Well, let's start with... We we said last time that we've covered all the couples, and there was one couple, and we forgot, we forgot one, unfortunately. <laughs> which is the the new the new team, the uh, Mister Black and uh, he, he is Thomas. Thomas, and uh, you know they give a little bit of a uh, focus to them. Yeah, on uh, this first episode where they 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 capture <laughs> he is Thomas gets canceled. Uh, yep. So uh, they, they they caught a criminal, and because uh, Mr. Black is a dumbass, uh, the he ends up shooting somebody, and he is, Thomas is reminded of the time his sister got shot in the leg or something, and goes crazy and just like pummels the dude into the ground, and so they 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 suspend him for excessive violence, um, even though. It was probably really Mr. Black's fault, and he has no consequences for having an innocent yeah, person get like, shot. Yeah, like, literally, the lady, uh, the bystander gets shot because, like, Mr. Okay, so Mr. Black's power is that he can make barriers. Literally, yes. his entire power set is that he can make force fields. And this dipshit gets distracted long enough to lower his force field so that... Because dude... he's like, oh, I want to look good on camera or whatever, right? Yeah, and it's like... It... I have to say Mr. Black and the main dude from Dance Dance Dancer are very similar personality oh, they, types. Oh, they, they have the same, they have the same I think, uh, cut? Yeah, they, they, they have... Yeah, I, I I mean, Tiger and Bunny is a lot less nuanced writing, but... Uh, sure. They're, they're very similar type of personalities, right? Yeah, but, well, um, at least Mr. Black isn't the protagonist in Tiger and Bunny, so yes. we avoid yes. that part. But honestly, even he as Thomas it doesn't come off as much better in this episode, even after we get his obligatory yes. tragic backstory. Like, I, oh, I he was an orphan, and then he and his sister got split up. And, like... Which, it, which is also weird, because it's like the implication is like, ah, oh, and then he never saw his sister again. But I was like, I'm pretty sure adoption agencies, like, do in fact keep tabs on the yeah, children who really get adopted. if you really wanted to uh, look that up, I'm sure you could, could yeah. yeah get that taken care of. But um, it kind of made me think about how part of why I don't like the writing in Tiger and Bunny is everybody acts, like, completely, like, on impulse and emotion, like, if you have a tragic backstory, <laughs> that is going to trigger you into doing something stupid at some point. Yes, it's, yes, it's just it is, going it is, to happen. And you're not going to always... control. You're yeah. not going to be able to control yourself. And it, even, like, the criminals themselves, like, the the, bit, the two-bit criminals that they're picking up, like, like that, like the, in, the, in this scene, like, the guy was, like, beat. There was, like, 
three superheroes and like the yeah. cameras and TV and everything. And he I decides, mean, oh, well, let me just take one more shot at this guy while I have a chance. Like that was going to do anything. Right. right? No, it's, I mean, it's, I, th- it's... I think part of the appeal of Tiger and Bunny has always been that it's a, uh, it's a very broad style of storytelling, right? You know, it's yes. kind of like writ large. It's all, all very, not necessarily predictable, you know, but they, they are sliding into the grooves of well, well-established action tropes and it's kind of fun to follow along and to I the think, conclusion you already yeah. know. Yeah. And and I think it works best when the sort when the material is lighter in tone. And yeah. I right. like because I think that all of those traits, all these traits that we're complaining about right now, are Tiger and Bunny's best traits when they're having fun. Right? Like the way the characters like, you know, emotionally overact, right? Like, when fucking Golden Ryan thinks that uh, a Blue Rose is gonna break up their superhero duo. It's funny Go- as hell that they're this stupid, right? Golden Ryan is still the MVP, by the way. But... Golden Ryan's great. I'm so glad you yeah. turned around on Golden Ryan. I didn't want to, like, try to oversell him, but, yeah, like... Yeah, no, yeah, he's 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 the MVP. Yeah, this, like, because yeah. he's such a fucking dick in the movie, and but, but, like, he has that moment where he turns, and you're like, oh, but you're one of our dicks, so... <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah but yeah it's, but the problem is that like so these characters being big dumb archetypes is fun when it's a comedy and it gets really tiresome when the plot gets serious and they're still these big dumb archetypes <laughs> yeah and uh and, and like, apparently this is setting up the he is thomas uh goes to turns into a villain arc they're laying the right, groundwork yes. for that Right, they're kind of setting up in the background that, like, ah, they're like back in the day, there was a, a legendary vigilante hero who fought against, uh, right, you know, the the Superman of the of the of the of the previous generation of of heroes and whatever, right? And how like he is Thomas would like chant the mantra of that vigilante as a child or something, and it's like, yeah. I mean, so here's the thing: they there's they confirmed that there's going to be a second core of Tiger and Bunny season two. So, like, okay. the plot is not ending here, so it does feel like they're setting certain things up, you know, again, like... We, we might not get that part of it until... That that just might be foreshadowing, like, what yeah, next season's yeah. gonna be, right? Potentially yeah. so, right? I mean, there's also the aspect of, like, what's her name? Magical Cat is still, like, thinking about her, like, weird, abusive mom's, like, toxic, like, right. teachings, you know? So there, there are elements here and there, but yeah, I guess... Yeah, this is the next episode where, like, Bunny ends up in the hospital because of the the next villain they're trying to hunt down, who's basically Gambit, right? Like, his power is Gambit. He can make, right. like, things he... Oh, oh no, he's he's either Gambit or um, Killer Queen from JoJo. He, anything he touches can, can turn into a bomb. <laughs> and uh, so Bunny gets fucked up by that, and so... You know, they're just doing the obligatory, like, Tiger is acting super lighthearted and flippant... And the new guys are like, man, what the fuck is wrong with you, Tiger? Your your partner's in a coma in the hospital, and all the old vets are like, nah, that's just that's just Tiger's way of coping, you know? Like he, like believe us, he he's taking this more seriously than anyone, right? Yeah. And it's like, you know, hey, I'm always down for the regular reminder that Tiger and Bunny are the most loving couple in Tiger and Bunny, but you know, because it's being utilized for drama. And, like, now we're introducing the weird, like, you know, the Twink Super Twins. Like, yeah, the you know, Adam, Adam and Eve. Mere villains, yes. Yeah, and they're, like, they're now on the prowl, and they're, like, all right, we're going to start killing some heroes in Stern Build. And it's, like, 
I'm so not interested in. Yeah, they're like the that's worst. About to like, they're, they are the at, like, it, the the villains are the absolute weakest part of the show. Like like straight up, it's. Yeah, and they're 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 like linking. They're finally linking the the bit with Bunny's old friend, right? The scientist who's like he's like re- they're researching underfunded the lab. Yeah, and his his boss who injected the uh, the Jekyll and Hyde serum. Uh, which, you know, we'll see, I guess, what actually happened with that, but some kind of, like, you know, amplifying next powers, uh, serum or something that they, yeah, that, that sure, sure. conveniently is going to fall into the hands of the bad guys, and it's, like, all very, I mean, that part of it is all very predictable, and then, yeah. you know... I'm just so not interested in the the villains and whatever. Yeah, whatever it's just is about to happen. you know, it, it just kind of sucks, right? Because like the first half of Tiger and Bunny season two was a lot of fun, right? Doing all the things that we kind of loved about this show, and uh, yeah, we were reminded, oh right, that's why most of us like kind of fell off a of Tiger and Bunny season <laughs> one, yes. right? Yes, once they introduced the main villain, it got less good. <laughs> yep. So, uh, I don't know. I mean. They have kind of delayed completely falling off the cliff longer than I was expecting here. As, yes. As, as perhaps unhappy as I've been with the last couple episodes, it hasn't been, like, totally awful yet. But I don't, know, I don't know if they're just delaying the inevitable or whatever here at this point. But Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to say. I, uh... We'll see. Okay. Let's talk about <clears throat> something good. Yeah, let's talk Ooh. about a show that expertly dual wields its pathos <laughs> and humor. Okay, in... so... Before we start, I want to make a statement. Yes. This is the greatest television show of all time. (laughs) Yeah, dude! That's what (laughs) we've been saying! I think so. Um, Just so so we can... Talking about Birdie Wing. Yes, just for the the listeners, we're talking about Birdie Wing Golf Girl's story. They had Shuichi Ikeda come up (laughs) and say with a completely straight face, the world of golf will be drowned in a hail of bullets. He said that! It's (laughs) great. It's great. So, oh my in, these, uh, in these episodes, uh, <laughs> after, we had the... Yeah, after the bombshell of the right. prosthetic R. We had the conclusion of the duel with Rose and the kind of the epilogue oh my God. of yes. that now, now that we're like a full week or two past that episode, I think we... we because I, I remember we specifically did not spoil this in the previous podcast. Yes. Yeah. But now we yes. now that it's uh, out in the Several open, weeks. Yeah. Yeah, several uh, weeks later now. You know, so. it is revealed oh. that Rose lost her arm in an underground golf match that she lost. And, and then uh, her mentor told her she was weak and walked out on her. Yes, the, the amount of just, like, <laughs> casual misogyny being spouted by Char that's in so this anime funny. is, like... I mean, it's perfect because that's exactly why you would cast him for that role. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's, it's really something. Like, I... Look... I'm not out here. I'm. I'm not gonna say Rose did nothing wrong. I like my problematic hotties because uh-huh. they're problematic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Rose is very problematic. But damn, she gets dealt like such a fucking raw hand. <laughs> I, I, I said to intended Iroh, in this I, episode. I said to Iroh as we were watching it, it's basically the end of Metal Gear Solid Four. Like, <laughs> you know, she's slumped against the post. You know, got her favorite smoke. Yeah. You know, her her like mysterious mentor shows up one more time. You know, to deliver some appropriate drama, and then she just gets smoked. She gets fucking gunned down like an animal. Oh, and don't forget, immediately after that, they cut to Eve 
exclaiming about how the drinks are free on her flight. Uh, yes, that it's is so good. Like, that... that is what I mean when I say this show like completely understands what it's doing. Like it, you can't, you wouldn't, you would never do this on accident. <laughs> it is, it's, yeah, yeah. Like I, I feel like if there's one moment in that episode that was like, oh, they know what they're doing. It's the fucking chitty chitty bang bang freeze yes, frame yes. of them so, flying through the air. In the actual so in the actual epilogue, while Rose does get a raw deal, uh everybody else they they you know, everybody except Eve basically gets to ride off into the sunset, right? Yeah, so Eve so, Eve beats Rose. Well, I mean again, shout outs to Rose for golfing one handed yeah. with her oh, left yeah, hand. Golfing backhanded, uh, yeah. Yeah, she my favorite a, part. She hits a backhanded. My yeah. favorite part of that is she still keeps her form, like with the yeah, other yeah. arm, as if she it's has the so, other arm. Like I, it's look. Okay, I'm gonna say you could not play most sports one handed, but golf might be up there for definitely one of the sports you can't play <laughs> one handed. Yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely up there. Yeah, and. Oh man, yeah, but yeah. So you know, right? Eve wins, and it's a very storybook ending, right? Everybody, you know, they get the money. Uh, you know, the orphans get saved. Uh-huh. They 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 open up a new shop. They they buy new identities. Uh-huh. Snake Lily doesn't have to sell. gets her yacht with her boy yes. toy. They yes. don't ride off the gunflow collection. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Lily saves her gunflow collection. And we, we have that amazing screenshot that Zig was talking about where they're in the, the car, in yeah. Repair's car with, like, money flying out of the car. Yes. The rainbow background. And yeah. Like... Ugh. Excellent. And somehow, that's, like, episode eight yeah. of this anime. Like, right. And, and, and this is the thing that, like, I was kind of talking about is, like... So, so the next episode opens with Eve going to Japan, right? Mm. And I think the question on everybody's mind was... If the mafia arc of Birdie Wing was just the second act, right? What the hell is the third act of this anime going to be? Right. I will. I will say that the the latest episode perhaps wisely dials it back down a bit because you yes. can't yes. really keep escalating, so it right. is a bit more low key. I think my favorite part. It's a, of it's it, a good though, reset. It's a good reset. Yeah. My favorite part yeah. of it though is is the bit where the girl asks, "Hey." How are you speaking Japanese? And Eve goes, yes. I have no idea. And then they just carry on like nothing it's, happened. It's the absolute best way to acknowledge uh, it. Like, I. Yes. Her well, having to constantly open her passport that, but... and read. To check what her, like, yeah. her new fake name is. A joke is. good enough, they do it twice and it's still funny. Yes. Yeah. Evangeline F. Kimishima. Yes. Uh, I don't. Who knows what the F stands for, but it's. I'm glad yes. it's there. Um, yeah, so it does, of course, Eve's life is still in danger, even though her yes. family may be safe. So she does have to run and decides the only place she can go to is Japan, Japan. to see her girlfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Who where... apparently goes to this insane golf school that's <laughs> like super, all about yeah. golf. Super Zig, futuristic there's, golf there's, school. There, there's an entry in the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime series where they go to Yu-Gi-Oh! school. So golf I mean, school an, is... Yeah. Like the least of our worries. <laughs> that's the thing, you know. Like one of the reasons Yu-Gi-Oh is good is that it unashamedly embraces the idea that a card game is the most important thing in the entire universe. Yes. And this yes. is kind of the same thing, right? Exactly. They all the way into golf is the most like, important thing. The, in the, the, universe. the latest episode literally opens with us meeting like our new like Lily, you know, like uh, sidekick. Uh, uh, 
sidekick character, and her dream is to become the best caddy, as if, like, that is a dream worth aspiring to in this world. <laughs> uh, no offense to any of the real caddies. Out no, no. I mean, got... she, she was right that they do make good money if you get high enough up. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's just, but it's like... It's so funny. It's some real, like... Right. right. There's an energy like, like, the con- they, like, they treat the it. They treat it like right? it's like a astronaut or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Basically. right. Yeah. I, I really like how. Yes, we've just entered like <clears throat> the the cute girls do cute things zone, right? Like with this with this episode of yes. we have the these cutesy girls who want to be the best caddy, and <laughs> they they're going to school with the powerful student high president. So they can do golf, yes, and we have yes, our yes. wacky birdie birdie catchphrase. Yep. Somebody died last week. <laughs> also, we we haven't even mentioned the bit where like Amaro Ray's voice actor shows Coach up Amaro. playing a coach called Raya His name Amaro. Is Coach Amaro Raya. <laughs> so good. Oh, yeah, Again, so, like, they just I, know they just know exactly what they're doing. They they, they were given a set of tools and they're wielding wielding them. I mean, them and that that the thing that they're doing is apparently stealth remake of mobile suit guns. Yeah, it's so <laughs> unbelievably unhinged. And like, it's not even the biggest thing, but I still got a very good fucking laugh out of the whole like. The student council president is like, so you want to meet Owie? Well, you'll have to beat her in a game of golf, one hole, right? <laughs> yeah. And like. Why is I the love... show's obsession with one whole game of golf? <laughs> yeah, like, it's really... It makes for a good episode. <laughs> yeah, but, like, the thing that... I... So, it's not that big of a deal, but for some reason, I just couldn't help but fucking laugh at, like... You know, so Eve is playing a... is playing against, like, you know, some, like, rising star of the uh-huh. freshman class, right? And she is doing the most fucking hilarious sports anime cope of, like, <laughs> oh, well, Eve might be stronger than me, but I've got technique and speed on my side. I can hit it so and, it's the perfect distance from the hole. Right, and the fucking student council president is, like, in the most, like, fucking caveman logic way, is like, no, you idiot. If you hit ball go farther, <laughs> you get closer to hole. I do, like, I, that's how golf works. I, I also really like that they did the old shonen thing of, Oh, the student council president is injured now, but in yes. X episode she'll be fine, and then yeah. she'll show her course, true power levels. Uh-huh. Right. But like, just something about the protagonist of our fucking golf anime is just like unga bunga ing her <laughs> way through the world of I golf. Mean, Eve is basically just... the Goku of golf. Like... It's the funniest fucking shit in the world. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that this was like a relatively mild and low key episode yeah. by Bernie Wig standards, but it's still very funny. Oh like. yeah, totally. I, I'm, I'm very curious. Like again, yeah, like how are they going to decide to like es- or you know escalate in the way that you can in the new arc, right. right? I mean, the next episode preview shows like. I don't know. Is Eve threatening somebody with a golf club in that, <laughs> in that episode? I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on in that preview, but like you know. Yeah, I um. Yeah, I mean, there we we do have some open things hanging. I mean, Eve is not out of danger, I'm sure, um, with what happened. But also, I've put out the theory about uh, Aoi's mother, who yes, yeah, looks, looks like Eve, suspiciously yes. like Eve. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and what's I mean, going if, on there is the theory that they're both going to be sisters. Because I feel like that's I don't barely think, a theory. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't think they're going to be. Just straight up sisters. So I, 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 think they are, like, I think they I, I are. I posed this to Jell when we were discussing this. What is worse to find out about your golf girlfriend? 
that your golf girlfriend is your half sister <laughs> or a clone of your mother. <laughs> yes. You think that one of my theories is that she might be. Route? Yes, because because we have clone monster. Look. We have we had we had some weird things going on with Eve's back background that might suggest that right, she was either genetically engineered or yeah. right, or perhaps Aoi was maybe the one that was designed in a test tube for. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, either of them, right. honestly, the way both Eve and Aoi behave, either of them could be the secret test tube yes. baby, and I would believe it. Yeah. See, I, yes, like I'm. What I'm going to say right now is, I feel like genetically engineered super golfer might be a step too far mm. even for this show oh, but no. i really i really hope i'm wrong i, I don't really, i don't really i don't think it's I'm too wrong. far i don't think it's uh, too far uh, <laughs> like if, um, if the twist is by the way like you were born in a test tube for the sole purpose of playing golf i will absolutely burn every other dvd i own and like <laughs> submit this fire. as my one true like piece of fiction of all time <laughs> someone's, gonna, someone's gonna come into your house and just get your shelf one blu-ray set yeah no, burning no i think it's even better <laughs> if you have to get rid of all of your old anime dvds and replace them all with identical copies oh just have several copies yeah, right. for, for, for every yeah. everything i throw away i must buy one copy of birdie wing exactly. yeah. <laughs> just uh, a shelf full of birdie wing i would i i I'm gonna take that bet. I think there's a pretty good chance that one <laughs> one of them is a genetically engineered golfing super soldier. I I still think it's more likely that they're sisters. But okay, then fine. See, one, one more, one more, one more. Let's yeah. get one more piece of speculation in here. Is Rose going to be the last person in this show to die? Hmm. Or will we get another character ways. death in this? End? And I don't mean another like RPG situation, where, like a side character gets got. I mean like, yeah. will we get another actual named character dying in this I, anime before probably the end? I Char as well, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah, probably. But I I will say that like I don't think anybody else will be actively killed if that makes sense. Because okay, see in... that maybe, maybe I need to change it right as. <laughs> Instead of because do you think anybody's a, going to die in this anime, do you think anyone's going to get killed in this? I mean, it's, it's like, in it's a like, way, uh, like being killed is kind of anticlimactic for whoever the big villain turns out to be. You want you want them to be like sure, karmically yes. humiliated on screen, of like, course, so. of course. I just is is the, is like the caddy girl going to take like a missile for or something <laughs> like that? Like... I like that you said a missile and not like a bullet. Or oh something no, a bullet would be too. Normal. That would be too conventional. I mean, who knows? The sky is the limit. That's the thing. I mean, Eve, I'm you saying. Need to... Golf the universe. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm just saying, do you think the mafia is going to come after Eve's orphaned kids? Like, is Will it going to be like, Eve, Eve, is, Eve is in, a, in Japan and she's about to attend, like, the, the, the actual real PGA tour. And then she gets a fucking recorded video of, like, the mafia <laughs> we have has tied up her orphaned kids and is like, if you want them to live, you're going to come back to Nefrese and golf one last game. Uh, I will say the fact that they showed up after, like, they had their happy ever after indicates yes. that they are not like they're not yeah. done with those characters. That, that's yet. definitely not hmm. tied up. Whether whether they come for her family or come for Eve directly, I don't know. But it's definitely something's going to happen. Still. I mean, it's just fucking crazy that we could even have this type of speculation about <laughs> Birdie Wing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it, it's a yeah, really. I, good I've show. said before, like oh, there's so, there's a lot of shows I love on this list, and that that's the one I get the most excited. <laughs> yes, I'm staying yes. up past 11 p.m. This is the this is the you need to watch immediately show of the season. Yeah. Without question. All right. Well, 
let's uh, move on to talk about Aharon-san. Uh, I really loved these last two episodes. Um, oh, that's so good. they another show they pulled their romance card, um, which is interesting right. because this show when I was looking it up, was billed as a romantic comedy, and there's kind of been zero romance up until, like, episode 8 or 9 or wherever I, we're at here. I heard they pulled a, uh, an Ozaki. By that... A lot, oh, a, like, oh, yes. Well, no. No, this this was definitely different okay. than what they did in Ozaki. We're, we're, we're referring to the big confession scene where they talk and they don't show... What they don't say what they're actually saying, you just see their mouth moving, right? Ah, uh, that's like, what you're talking the, like, about. Fireworks Iroh? thing, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, this, this, this is this is different. It, it does do that, but it's the outcome is different. Okay, I'll put it that way. So, um, so yeah, to kind of stir the pot a bit, they introduce uh, Aharon's younger sister, who the joke is that she looks and acts older than Aharon, but uh. And she's kind of the more, she's kind of the more mature, self-aware one. So she's kind of asking questions like, why does this dude always hang out with my sister? Why is my sister always talking about this dude and all Mm. that? And that kind of spurs things along, particularly for Aharon herself to say, oh, wow, I like this guy. I should probably talk about it with him, right? And I, I appreciate this all happens in the course of like one and a half episodes <laughs> they do not drag this process they do not drag this process out um and they're and they're still in the, through the process through this process also still being funny so there's a lot of good deadpan jokes i think i shared with you guys the one where they go shopping and they're like rifling through their shopping bag and he just like randomly pulls out a like human-sized tuna mm-hmm. out of the bag yep and it's out of his and like, plastic shopping anything. bag yeah, it's just very deadpan. Like nobody even like bats an eyelash that he just pulled out a human-sized tuna out of a bag. So you know it's still funny, but yeah. So that kind of sets up the the second episode, which they go on their summer camping trip with uh, you know a couple friends, including um, the intentionally generic um, classmates. There's a boy and a girl, and like they're so generic that the guy like forgets her name half the time because uh-huh. like they're <laughs> she's like. So, you know, they're just supposed to be there as padding out the cast. Yes, um, extras. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's pretty funny. And, yeah, so she so Aharon's like, well, now's a good time to, to confess. And she even, <laughs> you know, she talks to, uh, which, which is also interesting because, again, like I talked about how, you know, these are very kind of quiet, soft-spoken characters, right? right? So, like, they're not the usual. It's kind of going against the stereotype that they would just be very open about their you know feelings and whatnot mm-hmm. and uh you know she she asks her friend about it because she's like you know i'm i'm afraid that if i say something it's gonna you know I've, our I little our ruin friendship. our relationship it'll ruin our relationship and she's like you know i've been watching you guys it'll be fine <laughs> so what's this someone speaking common sense in a romance anime yeah so so she goes out by the campfire and they do the the thing where they they where she's confessing to him but they show their mouths moving but not the actual words and you have to kind of fill in what you think is happening open the pod bay door <laughs> although it's i think it's fairly obvious what's happening because she gives him a little kiss and runs back oh, to her tent sure and the next day they're just back to their normal like 
wacky hijinks uh-huh, in right. school, uh, just bumming around, sure, you know, doing sure. weird things. And one of the and the one of the guys that went with them, the generic uh, classmates, like, huh? I thought they confessed, but it looks like nothing's actually changed. They're you know still uh, just you know doing what they always do. I guess nothing happened, but then you know they later on, of course. Uh, <laughs> They have the 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 episode end kind of ends with a scene where Aharon buys a scarf for Rido, which is a very like girlfriend thing to do, right? Sure. And uh, and rather, and it's kind of it's very sweet, but it also maintains the show's level of silliness. Like, I'll 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 see if I can post this in the. Uh... Oh no, the file's too big. I'll post it later. <laughs> There's a silly picture of them with like both have a scarf wrapped the scarf wrapped around their heads, and they're running around town like. Uh-huh. Oh. But, you know they're having fun right and 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 one of one of the one of the teachers kind of sees them and she's of course older and wiser and is like huh something does seem a little bit different about them and that's where the episode ends that's cool. and i'm like you know what sure that's a great way to handle this yeah, because I, I feel like yeah. i feel like this i feel like they will probably never bring up that topic again for the remaining episodes and i feel like that would be a good they, they i mean they'd be might, totally but fine my my guess is that they will probably not bring that up and it's just going to be like you know, you know, you don't need to because when you have a good, you know, to me, the best romances are always like the ones that happen naturally, right? Like you don't have mm-hmm. to have big dramatic, you know, like big dramatic, yeah. you know, events happening. <laughs> and and, you and just, it's it's like if you're, you know, if it's two people that care about each other, and you're you're just out having fun. Then you know what's what else do you need? Uh, right? You know, and, you know, Jell. This is a really this is <clears throat> this is really interesting because this is going to be a very funny contrast with the other anime oh, <laughs> on this list about confessions. Oh, I know where we're going. Yes, so I'm setting this up for sure. But uh... I mean, devoid of that context, I will say that um, anime is it's so rare that you actually get that kind of naturalistic uh, sort of relationship mm-hmm. evolution in anime. So the fact right. that they pulled it off very well sounds really great to me. Yeah. Um, Propos of nothing, but like it reminds me of one of the few uh, disappointments I had with Xenon in particular, is that that confession is kind of hackneyed. And this sort of... I think is a good illustration of how you can do yeah, something much more naturally. I wouldn't say Dinazion's like the worst example. It no, was no, not at all. Little, but yeah, you know, I mean, they put in the time. Like com- they, compared you know, to all the other, like the level of all the other writing in that show, you know. Right. And again, yeah. this isn't to bury Dinazion on. It's just to say that kind of like you know, even good anime sometimes stumble with the you know into, with yeah. the the cliche I, trap of. And I'll admit when they started bringing up the topic. I was concerned because of anime's track record with these things, right? right? And no, they they pulled it off. I mean, and I, I think it helped that you know they're they're from day one their relationship has always been the same where they've they've been very caring and looking out for each other and like everything. They never have the like there's no tsundere moments, right? It's there's no like right. You know, at first they hate each other, but then, you know, opposites attract or something, which opposites attract is usually a lie in real life, but I'm just going to throw that out there for anybody <laughs> if you want some real life advice. Oh, but, uh, boy. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that one out there. But uh, wow, we're we're, we're going to get into that again probably later when we get to Kage yeah, as well, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and I, I'm just I'm just glad that they uh, they seem to pull it off. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm feeling good about, you know, whatever's going to happen for the last couple episodes, so... Well, it's nice to hear that one of these turned out uh, turned 
turn out all good for the parties involved. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about your boy Kong Ming. Let's. If he's let's say some words anymore. about our our brother in arms, mm-hmm. the peerless tactician Zhuge I'm, Liang. I'm interested to see name, what people have Kong to say. Ming. Yeah. Okay. Well. I, 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 as I kind of hinted, uh, with I feel like we have not had enough of Kong Ming himself in the. Yeah. But yeah. I'll, I'll let, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys kind of go first. I mean, we have the ongoing lead up to the. Yes, you know, we get, get the. Uh, we get the Nanami backstory, right? right? Yeah. You know, yeah. How she was a struggling musician who sold out to make ends meet, uh-huh. and uh, got to pay her bills. I mean, yeah, like you do. Like yeah, you I think it's more it. more sympathetically presented. <laughs> no, than it is. A it is. Of... It is. I'm not. I'm not like trying to like call. I'm not the one calling her out on it, right? Like, and I. I don't think even the show is calling her out on right. it. Right. The thing I can actually sort of appreciate is that like, she has this big reveal of oh, actually, I'm part of this like pretty successful like music group that like basically goes against all of my principles as a musician, and it <clears> is portrayed as a like rather pragmatic, necessary move. Right. right. Like it's a thing of like. Let's be real. A lot of talented people in this world don't make it, right? They don't find commercial or even critical success. Mm-hmm. And, like, as long as we live in a capitalist society, th- those people will never, like, you know, get what they deserve for, you know, yeah. their efforts, right? right. And, and, you know, I, I think anybody who has done any sort of art, be it writing, drawing, painting, you know, music, whatever realizes on some level that it's not always a meritocracy you know sometimes <laughs> yeah. you just have to be lucky or know the right people or all that kind of stuff i mean you know? Aiko literally got lucky by running into the peerless tactician called <laughs> by reincarnation of uh, yeah thousands of years into the future yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I, I i think that um I don't necessarily think that part of the story is subtle, but I think it's a little bit less sledgehammery than it might have been, and so I, I do respect sure, them for yeah. that. I think I think the other issue though I'm though I'm running into with Kong Ming at this point is that like as we expand the cast, like I mean again, it, it's it, Kong Ming is the poochie here. Like we want more Kong Ming. Like where where's Kong Ming? And I think I, I think the other characters are not doing the greatest job of justifying what they necessarily bring because like at this point after these two episodes like look i'm the guy who likes hip-hop and i gotta ask what is kave contributing to the group yeah like, right. why is he part of kong ming's like galaxy brained plan to get a thousand a hundred thousand mm-hmm. likes on instagram like how does kave's career as a rapper like in any way tied to Aiko's like because mm-hmm. it would be one thing if like they they eventually like arrived at the conclusion that oh like well actually we needed to bring in Kabe because like what Aiko needs is an alternate like perspective on like how one makes music right but it's not even that it's like their two plot lines are like so thoroughly segregated from each other mm-hmm. that I I think the major problem is that they're also kind of the same plot like and I think that right. the Aiko one is considerably better than the Cabotagian one simply because we know her better and she's being yeah. presented as a more important character, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she is the main character. Um, I don't think... I'll, I'll put my cards on the table here, which is I think that I'm higher on this episode than than a lot of you guys are because I enjoy the Aiko stuff and I think that that plot has been handled well and it's encouraging to see her grow and like come to terms with some stuff. But even I will admit that it's a little dry. 
and um, yeah. we could definitely do with a little bit more wacky romance of the Three Kingdoms right. shenanigans. Because I feel like you know, I, I feel like that was the hook in the first place, as opposed to just yeah. like here's a not to undersell the show, but like as opposed to the here's another music show yeah. angle, right? <laughs> Or another but, like young profession, you know, young working right. professional woman. anime. I think that's why like, the Nanami stuff has not landed as well for me because, at least with Kabe, like it ended with, with a Three Kingdoms rap battle, right against yeah, like, it, it, against Kang Ming and yes, so. Like, there's still a spectacle right. to that, right? Like, there's still a fun, silly and, spectacle to like, that. Like, I think that's a good example of fusing, like, the actual character story you're trying to tell with the gimmick of the right. show, you know? And I, I don't use gimmick in a derogatory term here, but mm. the reason that this show stands out is because, you know, uh, noted tactician Zhuge Liang, a courtesy name Kong Ling, uh-huh. is there. And, you know, there's a way to, there's a way to have that and, like, um, have him doing his goofy thing that doesn't necessarily undermine the seriousness of the story right. you're trying to tell, and it just feels like that they've tilted that balance a little too far. And I feel kind of churlish because, like, we're effectively arguing that we want to see less well-written character drama, you know. But <laughs> but it's all about but, a balance. You know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I guess yeah. There, I mean, yes, there there's certainly like yes. Uh, <laughs> there's an aspect of like yes what we are asking for here is that we want a less intelligently written show but like <laughs> we were just talking about birdie wing all right like you can like sometimes you just want a show that can that knows how to have fun and when you introduce a premise that is almost like laser precision built in a lab to be fun and goofy and then don't yeah. really live up to that pre- i mean I, look, I i'm not think... i'm not about to say that this is a pari ranman all Oof. over again but I will oh, say no, that no, PA no. Works has a weird track record of taking what should be, like, absolute gold premises and then, like, kind of kneecapping them. <laughs> right, but the thing is, they were doing it so well up until this last episode or two, right? right? Like, the balance was so spot on up to there. Like, like I think that... I, I don't <laughs> know if this is just, like, a fault. I mean, even calling it a fault seems kind of harsh, but like, I'm not sure if this is just the way the source material goes, or like, I could also be right. That if this is like a weakness in the presentation, you know, I think I, I do feel like this, at least some of this would have to be the source material if they're being yeah. even remotely faithful right, to yeah. it. But um, to the point of like <laughs> calling for less character drama. I think I would be more forgiving if the character drama was like top notch, and it's not bad, but it's also yeah. just kind of like average. Like, yeah, it's like it's like the thing is like again, not to like disregard Nanami as a character, but like Nanami's backstory feels like it would have been like, like it's literally right at home with like the harsh but weirdly grounded backstories of so many other PA Works characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like, I mean, this is literally like like Nanami's backstory is almost literally like of the same tone as like. Aquatope's opening, right? Like the first episode of Aquatope. Right, right. Yeah, with the, yes. Yeah. Uh, I started. Uh, yeah. I randomly started thinking about the girl who was wanted to be an actor in uh, Soccer Quest. <laughs> or, or, yeah, in yeah. Soccer Quest, right? She's probably an even better like analogy for I mean, anatomy. Actually. The point is, and... they are reverting to type somewhat. Yes. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I, like again, I I think I'm a bit more 
high on it and i think i would describe the character drama as above average i think the writing is a bit more intelligent than that but it it does feel kind of as if we have wandered off genre a little Mm. and Mm -hmm. you know i don't think like i don't think producer guy is quirky enough to make up that difference and i i don't really think cabotajian is quirky enough to make up that difference um and and yes like the honest truth is we have barely seen Kongwin for the past couple of episodes you know and like i think i i think perhaps a more considered like layout of the sea of the series could perhaps have included him in a little bit more here even if it's mostly just inconsequential stuff i feel like that you could just just uh you know sugar the medicine a little by having him show up and do do a like a goofy skit or two once and again yeah 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 even if it's not like directly related to the plot or whatever just have him do something right yeah like like, have him nerd out with the boss more right yeah Yeah. we did get one moment of that but uh and um, I don't know how to feel about the, like, out-of-body experience he has. <laughs> the, uh, oh, where he, like, fucking disassociates after hearing Eiko's I, song? Yeah. Are, are they are they trying to, like, compare Eiko to Liu Bei? Yes. Is that, what that is exactly, that yeah. is literally, I think, what they were trying to do here. Which yes. is, as so, you know, look, I, I, I'm I not going to call so. myself... So- it's it's yeah, like that ahead. scene in Ratatouille where he eats the dish oh, and yeah. is, like, metaphorically transported back to his yes. childhood, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of that when I saw it. The idea. Yeah, I, I think it's probably more meant to be like, ah, sometimes you hear a, you are so your 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 emotions and your sensations are so overcome by a, a specific like stimuli that it like you can't help but suddenly be sent back to a very specific time in your life, right? I think that's kind of yeah the implication there. Though, though it is funny because, like, I, I don't know, also, it, it it would be funny to me if they're trying to imply that Aiko reminds Kong Ming of Liu Bei because, like, look, I'm not going to call myself a red-pilled fan of Romance of the Three Kingdoms, <laughs> but I am certainly no Shu apologist. You ain't, you will never catch me repping Shu. Like, yes. all my homies hate Shu. I mean, the, the actual... <laughs> The actual and story so... of the Three Kingdoms is the same as every single story from history ever, which is there are actually no good guys. There are really yeah. bad guys. Right, but, but yeah. yes, for, for people not familiar, Levi is usually on the the most highest surface level portrayed as like the hero of the story, right? Or he's one, about or as close as it gets. As close he's as you can get, he, right? He's the closest you get to a protagonist, yes. Right, to the, yeah, so it's funny. But yeah, and it's weird as well that they play that scene entirely straight, as well. Like, there's no. I yeah, guess it's, not, it's meant to it's represent. Not, it's not like a funny scene or anything. It's just like. Yeah, I guess it's meant yeah. to represent like the sincerity of what he's feeling, and I do yeah. appreciate that they are trying to convey that emotion through visual storytelling. You know, that's so much better than just him saying, "Oh, it made me feel like I was back in." No, I, you yeah. know. Like, I, I think but, on the, I think on balance I like that scene. I just it's just funny the comparison. It's very odd. It, it it feels but, yeah. so weirdly out of place there as well. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean I would prefer more of that than just like the straight up you know sure. whatever back. So yeah, like, actually I think the show might have benefited from more like Romance of the Three Kingdoms flashbacks. Actually, that would have been less weird if that was like the first time because it's weird because it's the first time it happened and it's like right. episode nine. They mostly right? kept all of the Romance of the Three Kingdom depictions before the credits so far. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. So, so gotta say, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I still think the show is good. Oh, that's the yeah. thing. You know. Yeah, Iro, mm-hmm. go ahead. Aiko has terrible taste in song titles. 
Uh, I will oh, say. Oh, yeah, that too. Yes, yes. Yeah, that too. Like, oh, what was well, it? See, that's... like, Udon Shop or yeah. whatever? It's, like, such a better name for a song than so, Dreamer like, or whatever. That's kind of, like, the, <laughs> we kind of touched on this last time, but the trap of, like, the music in the show is good because they're telling us it's good, right, and in reality, yeah. it's kind of, like, average at best. And, it's like, the Carol Tuesday problem again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. the problem is, if the music were actually good, it would be music and not the soundtrack to a show right like uh, yeah no i mean you can you can get you can yeah you can, they, they could have done better than echo's song which yes. is like a very kind of bland safe pop song that we're supposed to be like that's believing that it's going to change the world right i guess and, but like the problem with writing about a song that changes the world is you then have to write that song yes right? I, it's <laughs> almost it's, it's almost time. like <laughs> uh, well cheating with time travel is kind of outside of uh, unless um it, it almost becomes a situation where are you better off just not showing the actual performance and leaving it to people's imaginations i don't know but the, we spent so much time on Aiko trying to find her voice or something and work with this amazing producer right. who comes up with this very bland safe beat for her in this yeah. like yeah. yeah some like fucking garage band bullshit like, yeah really yeah. <laughs> really mr not steve aoki that's the best you could do like you could like, at least chop and screw it you know yeah, yeah like, like i you give you give me a couple hours i could have come up with that i mean <laughs> it's yeah anyway but i you know again thematically i'm willing to accept that it's just funny and, to me that and also that's... i mean i suspect that this is something that may have worked better in print where your imagination right. is supplying the music yes. and the production when you leave it to your imagination it's always going to be amazing right exactly yeah. so all right yeah. well it's hanging in there for me but i, I my my uh, kongming has unfortunately gone a bit down on my priority list for sure yeah. i think at this point um what has not, perhaps, gone well, down on my getting, priority getting list. back to the confessions. Um, is, uh, yes, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, ultra romantic. Um, yeah, like I said, shows uh, turning up the heat. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're really, like, these two episodes are almost entirely around each member of the main cast essentially emotionally preparing themselves for the culture festival, right? Yes. Like, e- each one of them sort of stealing their resolve to... yeah. To I make or last, break this moment. Last time we had Shiragane kind of hyping himself up to say he's going to confess if yes. Kaguya doesn't do it. And this week we get Kaguya hyping herself up. Yeah. Um, Interesting, because I feel like this season we have not actually had a lot of Kaguya, like, Kaguya's weirdly like kind of like become almost like a member like a, a B member of the cast like this she, season. She, yeah, like, like she she's been around to like hype up Ishigami or whatever, but like she hasn't really yeah. done a whole like and, and we haven't really seen her perspective like we have in previous seasons. Yeah, but that's true. Um they they get a little bit of that. I think the the, the you know, the big moment for me was the, you know, when she's like, you know, when did I become such a coward? Yeah. And yeah. And it's like, if you think, I was thinking about it, and like, anything not related to Shiragane, she's actually quite intimidating, right? Like, yeah. Like, think about how she, her relationship with Ishigami, right? As like right. her almost Ishigami's I mean, like in, in powerful regards, senpai, right? I, like, I, I almost wonder if that is the show even acknowledging Kaguya's own, like, degradation is not the right word, but more like, the shift in character or, or her role right. in how does the she let herself dynamic. go into the background right it's, right because yeah. like in the first two seasons like many of the good kaguya jokes are about how intimidating she can be right right 
whereas like and, and you would then get a the and then the like high pitched screeching Kaguya would be like the occasional <laughs> treat you get, you know? Right. Whereas now it's almost like the ratio has reversed, and now that Kaguya is the most like prominent version of her that you get in season three. She's making right. her silly Pikmin face. Uh... Yes, yes. And, and maybe that is also because of, like, the rise of Ai Hayasaka as a character. Yes, so kind she of is going knocking to be her down one... a peg. Yes, right. privy. Yes, yes. Speaking of knocking Kaguya down a peg, there's some great moments with Ai in the, in the, in the second episode here. But yeah. I do want to, you know, as dramatic as things are, I have to give a shout-out to the very fucking good joke about Shirogane's just absolute god-awful fashion sense. Yes, oh my god. Like... He is he is talking to his sister who is holding their own culture festival at at the middle school I guess and he wants to you know check it out you know kind of see, see if it'll give him any ideas right but turns out that Shirogane doesn't own any casual clothes right like once he got into high school he's just worn the uniform so all the clothes that he has that aren't school related are from middle school <laughs> and yeah. It, it, it ends up in maybe one of the fucking funniest jokes, one of the funniest sight gags I think Kaguya has pulled all season, which is the only fucking, like, tr- like non-school uniform shirt that Shirogane owns is one of those, like, screen-printed tees with, like, the horrible English on it, like, just, like, <laughs> haphazardly, like, slapped all over it, like, let, give me a second, I'm going to... Uh, see if I could pull it up here, uh, and I will uh, recite it for the. Uh, it was it was another example of how uh, the listeners, the writer, the writer of this show understands the scope of the universe. Yes, here. yes, that on, that on, is a shirt. On, on Shirogane's of... shirt is a text that says, "The person who thinks with an opinion is blindfolding by himself and is plugging the ear himself." <laughs> Mad boy. This is absolutely a shirt that someone in a common Rider show has worn. And absolutely 100%. I got, I got to be honest, guys. Like, what is this the fucking Guilty Gear round start text? <laughs> you is aren't this... supposed to give up the heart who is in your soul. Like, guys, is this the first time a Japanese work has ever acknowledged the fucking just nonsense English <laughs> that sometimes shows up on Japanese, like, fashion? It certainly doesn't happen often. Uh, yeah. But, uh... <laughs> It's really good. And then Shirogane's dad shows up, and he, like, you know, this fucking, like, 40-year-old divorcee shows up, and he is, like, dressed, like, way more, like, like, properly trendy for, like, you know, 2020s fashion. Right. It's That's pretty it's, great. It's very good, but, uh... Yeah, but but yeah, the rest the rest of the episode is definitely kind of more on the dramatic side. But both episodes to a certain extent, right? Like it's it's uh, mm-hmm. it definitely feels like we are building up to something here, right? And 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 again, you know, I mentioned it when you were talking about Aharon-san, where like the the confession was very like natural. I feel like Kaguya is intentionally like like building this up like a steam boiler, right? right. Like it's just building and building the pressure. And I, and, I think. I think with Kaguya, though, so I, in, in a lot of times that could be a criticism, but it's been like the, they haven't crafted this like a, a natural, like, um, normal romance, right? The, like, yeah. the whole the whole premise from day one has been this ridiculous concept yes. that would probably never happen in real life, but, but they've played it out in a way that it actually works, right? Yes. I mean, so, I mean they, they have, they've justified... The pressure boiler like situation here, like, right? It it makes sense why 
things are the way they are in season three. Yes. And so for that reason, I'm totally fine with it. And also because I imagine we're, you know, even as dramatic as things are getting, we are probably still going to get a lot of really good jokes out of it. Uh, yes, it's, like, it's like going to be both funny. Of, yeah. It's going to be both funny and also drag up uncomfortable uh, memories of high school. Yeah, like, a lot of a lot of living <laughs> vicariously through Ishigami these last couple of episodes. Um, yeah, which shout outs to the very good Shawshank Redemption reference. <laughs> oh, there, when, there was a lot of weird references. This, yeah, this... We're, we're basically Ishigami wants to confess to uh, to Tsubame Senpai, who is like the like. You know, not only is she a third year, but she is the social butterfly of the third year. Outgoing, right. attractive, gets along with everybody, treats everyone nicely and she's, socially. She's head of the school festival. Yeah. So she's super busy. And yeah. we find out that she isn't... Because here's the thing. So she does have a rapport with like this dude who I'm just going to call the cheer squad Giga Chad. Right. Who <laughs> is like the uh-huh. physically attractive... Like you know, like like outgoing, cool senpai character, right? Like right. you know, he has he has a great moment with Ishigami in season two when they're doing the relay race, and like Ishigami, I think most of us assumed that those two were going to be revealed to be an item, right? Like because mm-hmm. it's just like ah, you know, the prom king and queen essentially, right? And then Eno's glasses girl, like glasses friend, just casually reveals that they're dating. <laughs> It's. I wish there was an easy way for to explain. I wish there was an easy way for us to explain just how hilarious that is. But it's so fucking good, yeah. right? And yes, and and Ishigami realizing that this means Subame is likely single then is what leads to the most strange inclusion of a Shawshank Redemption reference in anime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty great. It's very um, good. Yeah, so we have like uh. He, Ishigami as the uh, uh, Ishigami as the undercard here, as uh, you know, after after uh, Kaguya has sort of steeled herself for what she has to do at the festival, you know, we we peek in on what's happening with Ishigami. I like his I like his continuing friendship with uh, with um, Sundere Senpai, who um, yes, the subs are now translating as uh, Miss Mood Swings. <laughs> uh, yes, which is a which, that's a choice. Quite good, but um, but, uh, you know she, we we talked about bad wingmen last time. She's actually probably a pretty good wingman. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about good wingmen now. Yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, you and... you would want you would want Sundere Senpai watching your six. Yeah, uh, she's she turns out she's really good at it, despite her own uh, hilarious <laughs> relationship. Despite the personal problems. pain it causes her. Yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, she she hypes up Ishigami to go ask uh, Subame Senpai Subame Senpai to to the uh, to the, the haunted, haunted house. house. Yeah. So I gotta ask, and I think I mean I think this is gonna be fairly. I think Ishigami is going to fail, right? Like that's that is where oh, things I, are. Be- like Subame is not I, going is. I feel like that's kind of where this is going, right? Like, I've been fighting with this because because like I've, it's a thing of like Kaguya and Shirogane are obviously going to like accept each other's confessions, right? And I almost feel like because of that, Ishigami I, will probably fail. <laughs> part of me is like, is this show cruel enough to do that? Which I think it is. Well, because it's because it's also uh, like here's the thing: Ishigami is in a very weird position where, despite being, you know. 
the secondary male character in this show. He, he is the he, <laughs> he is, is like he is this he's the insert character though for the He is also audience. an unintentional harem protagonist where there are multiple women in his <laughs> life that I think may or may not be gunning for him to certain degrees, right? right. Like, of course, there's Eno, who, like, you know, there's the Eno subplot, right? They they now, they now even introduced Sundari Senpai, may or may not, like... like I mean, she was that... coming on pretty strong at the end there. Yeah, but... like, they're putting these things into the air in a way where it feels like, oh, uh-oh. Like, they're setting up Ishigami with a bunch of fallback girls, and it's yeah. like... Oh. So here's so so to be clear, he asks her to go to the haunted house, and he she does. says yes, and no, I'm very that's, excited about that. It, right? That's not where I think he's going to yeah. fail. So no, right, I mean so that like... that part, it's it's the I I think it's I I'm I'm with you, G. In if we're going to describe failure as he goes, and she just wanted to go to the haunted house, and like she wants to be friends with him, clearly, yes. right? Yes. And uh, you know, maybe it's just nothing more than that, and he. Because he, he didn't say, let's go date, I like you. He no, said, let's no. go to the haunted house, right? Yes. So yeah. uh, that leaves a lot of room for interpretation after that. Right. Um, and I think... Yeah. I'm worried about look, her boy. I'm with you. I'm just saying, like, it's been a while <laughs> since it's been a while since Ishigami has gone through some heart-rending trauma. Not since season two. So it's about time to put Ishigami through the drama ringer again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's grown. I mean, he's grown. He's grown swollen with with uh, with good feelings uh, uh, too much lately. <laughs> it's time. Yeah. To, it's time to beat him like a drum again. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. Uh, yeah. He deserves the best. Uh, he does. He does. But that is why he must go through this pain. Yeah. Uh, also. Gel is the was the tea coffee bit a reference to something? Yeah, I. I feel like it was. I don't know what it was, but like, I don't know what it weird, is. But it... there was this weird bit. That whole episode was weird, and I loved yes. it. But th- th- so they they're doing the actual school festival, and there's just like random weird things happening, right? And Kaguya's uh, they're doing like a cosplay cafe, so she's dressed as like a Taisho maid, and she's serving uh, tea and coffee and whatever, and these like old middle-aged dudes show up and are drawn like in a different art style and i feel yeah. like they're supposed to be people that we recognize right it feels like they're meant like some to be kind like, of food oh, critics or something right but I right didn't, like I... like like this would be like the equivalent of like if in you know an american cartoon a guy who's not named gordon ramsay but clearly looks like gordon ramsay shows up or something right, right? it's like these guys are so realistically drawn it's like, like the oh, guy had like a j on his hat or something yeah like, yeah it's like I oh like to it... a japanese viewer would they instantly understand oh this is clearly a reference to yeah. those guys or something. and like and like the joke still worked because the, yeah. the concept was that they were like very harsh critics at this high school like yeah festival cafe and... yeah like they're they're giving out like you know you know, Food Network style, like harsh criticisms of like high school, like tea coffee, and coffee right? right? Yeah. So, so the joke still works, but it does feel like they were supposed to be like a reference specifically to somebody. I just, yeah. if anybody listening knows, please comment. Yeah, please, please let us know who who are these mysterious men. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we do get the good joke where uh, they're talking shit about Kaguya's ability to serve coffee, and both the critics like we want her, that girl to serve us instead, and they're pointing at I. 
Yes, and, and I just, I just like, yeah, in. I'm, I'm so glad you guys appreciate how good I am at serving coffee. You know, like not like my my mistress, who is just yes. this fucking boorish woman who would never understand the grace and technique that goes into good service. <laughs> yeah, which uh, leads to Kaguya trying to redeem herself by making tea. Yes, and the the hilarious. Uh... <laughs> Right, clearly, yes, the critic is like, clearly this is the tea, this is tea for a loved one. You made this tea with love. Like, this has been this honed tea... by, for hours on end for the one, right. for one person that you love. Like, and like he's like yelling this is in the like, cafe. You didn't make this tea for me. Who is the boy? Who is the young man this tea was clearly brewed for? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm surprised they haven't dropped a, a winner or a loser at the end of every segment lately. Uh, that that would have yeah. been a Kaguya loses uh <laughs> Yeah, probably, right. Segment. But, uh... Yeah. You know, but yeah, you know, so yeah, in spite of all of the drama that's going on, the show still finds plenty of time for a lot of, uh, yeah, like I said, still that episode, pretty solid bits. I said in our chat that episode we had, uh, a Hatsune Miku cameo, uh, Daft Punk, yes, uh, yes, the Fibonacci that, that sequence, <laughs> yeah. like all those things showed up in that episode. So, God, I, I have to give a brief shout I know we're going along, but I have to give a brief shout out to the probably the best slash worst slash most galaxy brained um, directing choice in this latest episode, which is specifically that when the critics are criticizing like Kaguya's like coffee, they do this bit where like I Kaguya and the critic are like superimposed on top of like a like a shot of like the Milky Way galaxy, and like the P and they're. They're specifically cut out in a way where you can see the like green artifacting around their PNGs <laughs> yes. being cut at, cut out as if they were being filmed in, in front of a bad green screen. Right. And, and they were cut out with a, a uh, high tolerance magic wand in Photoshop. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> and it's like it's the it's the thing of like I can't I legitimately can't tell was that like a weird production gaffe because anime, you know, is made on very tight deadlines? Or is oh, it the most galaxy brain That has to be on choice? purpose, right? right? Definitely it's on like... purpose. <laughs> if it's obvious enough to see, it has to be on purpose. And, and so once again, I'm like, is this a reference to something? Like, is this like, if these two food critics are real, like, food critics, is it like, is their show like weirdly poorly made or something? Like, is or that was a it, joke? Is it like something people from like the early 2000s of people are watching on YouTube or something. I don't know. Right, like, I have no clue. Or is the joke yeah. that they are real people appearing in a cartoon? Like That could yeah. be it. That could be could an be explanation too, for yeah. the green screen joke, actually. Yes. <laughs> give, give the director a raise, I say. Uh, yes, week. great. Sh- yes, yes. Continues to do fantastic work. They always find weird weird ways to present this show, which is could be very like cut and dry presentation-wise. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, we think. Do we think it's really going down with Kagi and Shiragane? This I might be our last to, chance right? to talk about it like, uh, before. I, I yeah. think. I think it has to, because like I think. They, I think it's time. They they have built up the pressure again. They're, the, the pressure in this steam boiler has built up so much that like you can't do happen. another fake out at this point, right? Yeah. Like they have faked us out multiple times in both the prior seasons, and I think. This is different, though. This is definitely yes. They they have intentionally the tuned it up so high this time that like, if they didn't, like, 
that would it would it would do damage to the show if they did yes, not. Yes, I look forward to point. next podcast. You guys talking about how they totally faked you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, we're just setting ourselves up for a fall here. Yeah, like yeah. sorry, but the tone of this conversation is well, you know, Lucy may have pulled the football away the last five hundred and seventy-six times, but this time, no, this time. Kaguya has proven itself to be different in what? What are we going to be like? Are it like two weeks from now? Are we going to be like, wow, I can't believe that Kaguya and Shiragane failed to confess, and Ishigami is just going out with Tsubame now? <laughs> yes, this will be a hundred percent wrong on all fronts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. We should get to the last one here. Yeah, let's. We're we're running a little long here, folks. But let's let's hit up uh, Spy Family. Uh, full disclosure, I did not watch this week's episode, but I did watch the previous one where we're introduced to yours, uh, brother, who, uh, Mm -hmm. adds an interesting dynamic to this whole, uh, (laughs) situation. This this episode might have, like, overtaken a couple of other shows for the most useful screen cap contest, which is the one where he's just drinking from the bottle and yelling, God damn it. Yes, yes. we are introduced to Yuri Breyer, the Siscon jackboot. Yes. Yeah, it's a a weird contrast. Yeah, of Uh, course, he works for the counterintelligence Uh, agency, right? Yes. Definitely not the Gestapo. Yes, literally, I mean, what were they called in Eastern Germany? Uh, The the Stasi? Is that what they were called? Yes, the Stasi. Yes, definitely kind of the, that, those kind of vibes. But don't worry, everybody. Yuri's a goofy guy because he just really, really loves his sister. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, that's why he's willing to commit all kinds of horrible types of physical torture on, this on is kind people of, captured. This is kind of a follow-up to the like joke previous episode where Yor is talking about how, like, my brother was so cute and nice all the time with me. Yes. yes. Right. Yes. So if I if I, I would direct everybody to rethink back to your I mean uh, yours little speech about how she raised Yuri right uh, and I, now you can see Yuri's perspective on how that went down. So I've got to yeah. say I just didn't really quite click with these episodes, and I think there's a couple of reasons. One, there's almost no Anya, and she's the best character by a country mile. And secondly. Like, dude is a bit too much in love with his sister. Is just such a trope that has been like yeah. dismembered, buried in seven graves, resurrected, and like then dismembered again. That like I find it hard to find it amusing under any circumstances. In a basically. lot of ways, for better or worse, Yuri kind of serves an extra wrinkle in the like double life family right. theme that is spy right. family. Right, and, every and I get that's, that's the actual is... joke. Yes, but... yes, but yeah. like this. These two episodes, and especially the latest one, are very heavy on the ah, dudes in love with his sister ah, stuff. And I, yes. I did, I did appreciate them using that for something I talked about earlier, where they don't worry too much about the details on like how we're going to explain away things. Like, so when when you're wondering, you know, how is Yor going to explain why she's been married for a year and didn't tell her brother? Uh-huh. And she's like, I'll just tell him I forgot. I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then it works. It's Um, a good thing all members of the Briar family (laughs) are really dumb. Yeah. So, like, I think think it helped there in in that instance. And I do appreciate, again, that they're not, like, super worried about the details on those things. But I think I get what Zig is saying, too, where, like, that yes, that is kind of an overplayed joke. Yeah, it's... I I also think, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. He's probably not going to be, like 
in every episode. Right? No, no, he he, just, he is he is a recurring character, but he is not a regular member of the cast. He is right. I described him as like the equivalent of Yanda in Yotsuba, where he seems to be like the one who spot who who's going to show up and just spoil all the fun whenever <laughs> it happens, you know. Uh, and you know, I mean, you know, the thing I will just say is that as as you as you sort of pointed out, Zig, the the only thing kind of missing from this episode is we didn't get to see Anya interact with Yuri. Right. Yes. <laughs> And they even make, they even make a point of noting that specifically. In fact, yes, don't worry, they're saving that. Right. <laughs> I think, like, I I think that as like as soon as he becomes like a bit more of a sitcom arch nemesis again, like Yanda does, I think yeah. I could be into that. It's just that this this stuff, like these couple of episodes, are so very heavy on the like right. weird relationship stuff. Because I mean, it, it, it for better or worse leans a bit too much into you know what is an aspect of the Lloyd your relationship of mm-hmm. like how much of this relationship is the facade yeah. versus how much of it is it beco- is becoming genuine. Right, right. I mean, that's and, kind of the theme of both episodes. And right, and and it, it's I, not I just, really the thing you're here for, right? I, also, I just kind of feel that it's maybe a little bit too early to be like questioning the fundamentals of right. of that part of the setup. Like the setup is so delicate that I think you just need to roll with it for a bit before you begin to yeah. like question it. Um, right. And like, look, we know how stories work. We know that they're going to develop genuine affection for each other. Like, we know they already have it, but. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that means that we don't necessarily need that kind of stuff right. teased. I, the thing I will say then is I think that they are, in, in a weird way, it, it, now that I, I think back to the manga and how it's written, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the episodes we're getting right now, I'm not saying that they are doing this to get it out of the way, but in hindsight, now that I think about how recent, like, chapters of the manga have gone it almost feels like they are doing this stuff here to almost as an obligation of like yes yes lloyd and yor really do in fact care for each other you know like they and like okay now that we got it's it's almost like okay now that we've gotten that out you know written down Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. paper we can push it out of the way so we get back to the spy antics and Anya episodes. Right, it, it does seem that like next episode is going to go back to the school stuff. Which... We're go- we're going back. We're going Anya heavy. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, soon it's going to be very. Yeah, you know the Anya, the Anya episodes are going to be the best episodes of this anime. There's and really no way around it. Again, I I think this feels like we might be being excessively negative. There are still some really good jokes and really yeah. Funny I I really love the joke that Lloyd has his lovey dovey couple's furniture ready to go. Yeah, right? yeah. Yes. Oh, she the, ha- the, he has those yes pillows from yes the uh, yes pillow, the shared mug, right with the toothbrushes. I will or, never yeah. get tired of the joke that. X is so incredibly prepared that they have yes. something very specific you know, for the precise situation. Mm-hmm. All right. We find out that being a mean drunk <laughs> runs in the Briar family. Right. Uh, I, I did love in the the flashbacks the visual image of 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 little kid Yor being covered in blood. Yes, uh, covered. Right. Yeah, that was very fun. Killing since right. she was a it's... tween. Yes, I, yeah. I, so that's the thing. That's especially why I love the joke of like you're telling Lloyd about how she raised Yuri, and we get her very like storybook like reminisce, reminiscing of how it went down, mm-hmm. and then you get Yuri's reality of like you're coming home covered in blood. Like, why are you covered like, in blood? Yes, with a different textbook every time. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that um, one thing I'm interested to see as the show continues is like 
it feels like it's darker and lighter aspects are, are sitting a little uncomfortably at the moment, you know? And um... <laughs> Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I'm interested to see whether they like final like can can get that all to fall into place so that they can leverage it for like genuine black comedy and stuff like that. So, so... the thing that I will say that I, I, I promise I'm not spoiling anything yeah, yeah, here. Is that the author of Spy Family, uh, some, Endo, mm-hmm. uh, has said in interviews that uh, he originally wanted to write Spy Family as a serious dark spy intrigue story. That was his original intent, intent in the early drafts of Spy Family, and it was his editor at Weekly Shonen Jump that suggested. <clears throat> That that seems a little too dark. What if you made it a gag comedy instead? And I think that that was honestly... This is one of the rare cases where the editorial interference actually vastly improved <laughs> I mean, you, uh, say, what we you got, say rare, but, but editors improve stuff all the time. You're right. I'm being unfair to editors, right? They are often the unsung heroes yes. of, of fiction writing. But, but this is one of those cases where, like... That that at, at least we are major aware of creative decision here, right? Like, yeah, yeah, that that yeah. really benefited the work, and yeah. I wouldn't say there's a tension. As far as I know, Endo enjoys writing Spy mm-hmm. Family, but um, every now and then in Spy Family, you are going to see places where you can kind of see what Endo originally wanted to do with Spy Family, right. is what I'll say. And I think that they always pull back from the brink just in time. <laughs> but there have definitely been chapters where it may... It's going to ride right up yeah, to that yeah. line. And... Right, and, and I think... <laughs> you know. I think, like when done right, that can be really interesting, right? Because it adds genuine tension when the danger is real, you know? And yes. like I said, you can leverage it into like a very kind of dark, bitter comedy as well. And I think, and again, you know, this is just a mild critique of a show which generally is outstanding, you know, but at the moment it feels very segmented into like, here is the slapstick and here is the serious spy stuff, you know? And Fair my hope would be, you know, as the show continues and we move into material that was written later, you know, that eventually that fusion will become more comfortable, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. 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 Still good though. Good show. Still yeah. a great show though. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's not it's not it's not baseball, but next week's episode is a sports themed mm-hmm. episode. Sure. And as we all know, there is rarely a better one off episode in an anime <laughs> than a sports themed episode in an anime not about sports. Yep. Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward uh, to that. After I watched the last episode that I missed, but yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, another long one here. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think next time might be our season preview. We're already getting oh, to territory. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that next time. So let's do our housekeeping. You can check us out at theglorioblog.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the Glorio Blog. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Stitcher, and YouTube. Where you can like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell, all that good stuff. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We'll catch everybody next time. <laughs>